Welcome to State House. Today's guest is Dennis Burrell. Dennis has been the longtime executive director of the Coalition of Texans with Disabilities. The coalition is one of those organizations that uh, doesn't get funded a lot, but they do a lot of great work for uh, the community, the dis disabled community in, in Texas, a lot. One of the things that you'll notice from our conversation is, although Dennis is one of my uh, closest friends, uh, we do differ on views, and so we had a nice little spar, but it's the kind of dialogue that we should have when it comes to politics. So I hope you enjoy the show. Your organization needs as much help as they can get from, Absolutely. you know, from people that are out there. You know, obviously you get help from your families, the families of, of disabled sure. patients. But um, other people that can help either through funding to help you guys to bring on more interns or bring on more help and that kind of thing. That's, it's, it's critical. I've seen it happen. I've seen it change, you know, CTD. Yeah, it has. I mean, from the from the time we first met, we we went from you know three three staff to uh, twelve now, which is pretty good. And we actually own a small building in downtown Austin, which was a, that was a know, big deal. Yeah, it was a damn big deal. It was uh, <laughs> you, know, you know the uh, former Hill Country Guitars, but you know yeah, that's what it's we, a cool place. It's a cool place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool place, but it, it added permanence to us uh, in many ways, and, uh, and and ended up being a pretty smart financial move. So we, so we've got. We've gotten much more stable, and we're we're pretty well positioned in a lot of places in yeah. the capital with the key committees. And it's not just healthcare; but it's in you know access to education, access to transportation, access to voting. You know, we do we do criminal justice stuff. We do you know we do all these things where people with disabilities exist in these spheres throughout all of the state activity. So it's yeah. it, it, it's it's pretty broad. Yes, uh, we are a nonprofit organization. Uh, contributions are tax deductible, full extent of the law, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yes, we don't have a PAC, and we don't pay for. Um, yeah, we have lobbyists. We just never pay them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we do most of it ourselves, or have people uh, come in and, and, and tell the tell what it's like to uh, to deal with these issues. Well, your one of your biggest lobbyists was is also been on this program is Chase Beard and. and and yeah. Chase is uh, yeah. quadriplegic in a wheelchair right now, recovering from COVID. That's right? correct. Yeah, I mean, and he's like, he works harder than me. Yeah, uh, it does. I, it does. <laughs> I I swear, I have never. He has so much energy, and he is everywhere. Uh, it's amazing. He's an amazing guy. Yes. Uh, you're just. You know, we're all lucky to know him, but you're lucky to have him. Well, certainly. And, uh, you know, of course, I taught him everything he knows. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> well, yeah, not too much. You know, uh, you know how it is, Frank. You can teach somebody how a bill becomes a law, but you can't teach them to realize what's really going on. In the yeah, building. that's right. And, uh, you know, he's he's become a, you know, a go-to person to capital on accessible voting, for example, even though the governor vetoed our major bill. He vetoed decision. a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. Right towards the end there, he yeah. vetoed a bunch and then I guess getting ready for um, the property tax uh, fight right. and then our the property tax issue. And, you know, from, I don't know if you have any information on it, if that's going to be coming back up, but I know a lot of issues are going to start to, you know, I think there's at least one more special session, maybe more to, 
to to recreate that legislation that was vetoed yeah, in, in yeah. preparation for the property tax vote. Um, does that kind of come back? Well, we we would like we would like it to. Uh, it that remains to be seen. Our and by the way, that was a classic example of a bill that was sponsored by conservative Republican committee chairman in both the House and Senate. You know, I mean. Yeah. In fact, we work with Republicans more than we work with Democrats. We yeah. love Democrats. We love our Republican partners too. Mm. But you know, so you know, right now, Chairman Leach in the House might be on the yeah. uh, on the outs with everybody. <laughs> Time uh, to start over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Chairman Hughes uh, in the Senate should you know. It, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, that's one we're trying to get. And there was another vetoed bill that was that would set up and actually what. Kind of mentioned a stakeholder advisory council on some of these disability programs, and that was also vetoed. Um, neither of which had any fiscal note, interestingly enough. So there was no cost to these things. But uh, yes, we hope th- for that to happen. We're gearing up for the voucher fight, as we talked about just before we went on the air. It's yeah. not. It's not beneficial. It's not equal. Vouchers are not equal in the sense of the beneficiaries. Students with disabilities are not necessarily included in vouchers because private schools, and don't take my word for it, just go to the private schools that came and testified in the Senate Education Committee who said, oh, take a kid in a wheelchair in our school? Oh, no, we're not going to do that. That's what they said. And they can do that. Public school cannot. They can send a tuition bill on top of the voucher to the family. Public schools Has that cannot. happened? Is, have you, is there been, an, I know we don't have vouchers we don't here, have so vouchers. you can't sit, but yeah. have you seen that in other states where yes. people were denied Yes. The, the to go to a to a, go to a, another school. Yes, it's it, you know the whole thing. You know, vouchers has become such a a source of massive misinformation that uh, you know. I mean, there's stuff like the Arizona model is held up as a as a as a great model. Well, something like more than eighty percent of those kids were never in public school. They were never in public school, so it just became writing a check to families of kids who already families. These kids were already in private school. So is that, would that happen here? I think there's some, they're saying, well, no, we're going to try not to let anybody who's already in, it has to be somebody moving on. Okay. Well, what about the public school that's going to lose funding? Because as you rightly pointed out, the number of students dictates the amount of funding to the public schools. Those schools leave, those students leave to go to private schools. Does that cut their funding? Yeah, it would. Now, some people said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for those phantom departed students for a couple of years. So the public school is whole. But public school is a 12-year gig, Frank. It's not two years. And in some communities, a lot of communities in our vast state, those public schools, they're not just places of education. They're places of community centrism, pride, you know associations. Now, those matter. And I think that those are the things that are going to be debated as we go forward. But yes, for kids with disabilities, they lose their rights by going to a private school. And that's not something our organization is going to support. Yeah. I know one of the arguments is that, you know, if you, and and I'm not, um, I'm not involved. I, I'm not involved in the in the school voucher fight, you know, with a client or anything. So I can just talk about it as a parent. And um, we had this. We started our discussion before we were on the air. But um, I know one of the arguments is if you if you 
a lot of the reason why vouchers sort of came about was you had a lot of parents that were dissatisfied with public school, with their public, with what their, mm-hmm. their children were getting in public school. Acknowledged. And so, um, and if you look, and of course it's all anecdotal because, you know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a researcher in the area, but, you know, mm-hmm. as a parent, um, now both of my kids are out of, of school now. Um, I finally got that last one out of high school and I was like, thank goodness, because everything going on that, um, in public schools is really disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm looking at it in the broader picture. Okay. And when I was telling you earlier about, you know, parental rights on, you know, for your, your child, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't zone in on just one thing. It's to me, it was, it's more of a, um, it's more about the parents, parent child relationship for everything until they're of course of age. And, uh, and I guess, um, that's the lens I look at it through everything. Uh, well, everything <laughs> I look I know through, that. you know, and, and so when, I look at things like the school voucher program or any of those things. I, I always look at what I would do for my kids and, and I remove everything else. And I think a lot of parents do that too. Now I'm not talking about people that are voting for the issue or are working on the issue because they have a special interest or any of that kind of stuff. Those are totally different environments, right? And they also have a lot of different pressures that, that we're not talking about, but I'm talking about very clearly how I see kind of the world, you know, on issues. And, um, and when I see what's happening sort of nationwide in public schools, at least anecdotally, um, with regard to what's being taught, what's being allowed, um, it really disturbs me and I worry about it a lot. And I think that's why, you know, I find myself, um, more on the side of, you know, what the parent wants for their kid is what is, is what should happen, period. And that, that if, if you're talking about a school, a public school, they do provide a lot of things like, you know, you know, it is the meal that, that some kids, that's the only meal they get and all. And that's, and, and that's important. It's critically important, but it's also, I think that, um, I think that the, the parent has the last word on what should be done in the school should be doing the, the things they're supposed to do teach, teach. I mean, I mean, that's why we have them, you know? And, um, it, when you feel, when parents are feeling like that, I, I, my kids got to go to school and they got a good education. And so I'm, I'm lucky. Okay. I'm, I'm blessed in that way, but not everybody has that same ability and that they don't go to the same, the same kind of school where they can get all those things they need. And I think when they start to feel like things are being, foisted upon their children that shouldn't be, or they're not getting what they should, then they start to look outside for something else. And I think that sort of mm-hmm. volume is what, is what causes a lot of the, what's going on with, with school vouchers. All right. Now I get to Okay. Okay. Full disclosure. Uh, first of all, I had three kids go through public school, but I've also a former teacher and uh, may not have known that about me. That helps me speak in the well, Capitol quite a bit. My mother was a teacher, so, oh, good, so good, good, good. we have something in common. Uh, yeah, the parents want to make choices where their where their kids go to school. Of course, of course. 
But that's what we're talking about. Most of the people and most of the, and certainly all the businesses that pay taxes in support of public schools don't have a kid in public school. Okay. So what are they supporting? They're supporting a structure. They say that again. Say that okay. One time. Most people who pay taxes, okay. residential property taxes, and almost all the businesses that pay school taxes don't have a kid in school at that time. True. This is true. Okay. Okay. I've never seen that. that. I've it never seen true. that statistic. That's it is true. It is true. Um, certainly you would accept that none of the businesses have children in school because they don't have oh, children. businesses. Yeah. yeah. I, I, okay. And most of the residents do not either. Okay. So think of it. You've, you've had your children. Uh, I know I think your boys about four or five years apart. So let's mm-hmm. say that a total of maybe 22 years of your adult life, you would have had children in a public school. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. And how many years are you going to end up paying property taxes for public school? Uh, a whole lot more. Until I fall over. Well, but yeah. the reason why you're doing that is you're investing in a structure that will develop the youth of the community to make a better community. Bottom line, that's what it's all about. So let me let me stop you right there because I want to. So I agree that that part I agree with okay. you that you you are you are investing in the community for the betterment of, of all the people in that community. A hundred percent agree with that. But when that breaks down and it's not providing what it should, then you should have some right to say, okay, wait a minute. What are you doing with, 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 what are you doing with all this, this property tax money? You know, you added another administration building. Oh, great. You added a pool you know, or you did whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm making stuff up, but I mean, you understand what I'm saying is that I do. And and the kids are not able to get into the college they wanted to because they, they didn't learn um, what they needed to calculus or English or whatever. That's so go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. No, 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 no. Come at me. This is good. Well, first of all, you're, you're, (laughs) Well, let's let me just pick it apart one by one. Accountability. Okay. Yeah. And yes, I do believe in educational accountability everywhere. I guarantee you that private schools have less accountability than any public school would have, including, as I mentioned earlier, whether they would even accept a student with a disability or provide the services that kid needs or do it within the cost of the voucher. Is that All something which, y'all are going to put into the, are y'all going to yes. try to get that into the voucher bill? Well, that, what that they have to accept that student? Because I can't see where someone would be against that. I guarantee you they will. They will oppose it. The private schools The private will, schools will I oppose it. But I, I, would imagine, I would imagine the legislature wouldn't oppose I, it. I would assure you when uh, John Coliandra was chief of staff to Abbott and he called me in and wanted me to work on this issue. And I said, you meet those three requirements, then we can have a conversation. Didn't happen. But so parent choice. Do, we actually, do parents have no choice now? Well, they do. There's parental choice. They can go to private school if they want. They can homeschool. They can go to a public charter school. They can go to a public school either in their district or another district. You can mm-hmm. go to another district. So you have some you have school choice. So what you really Except want you're still paying the property taxes for the public school. And by the way, you'd still pay it if you got the voucher, wouldn't you? You'd still pay that property tax. Although you, you would use that money. Uh, the, again, I don't know how this is going to be rolled out, but you would use that money to help you offset the cost of that yes. private education. So, yes. so you would get, you wouldn't be paying both. You'd be paying the same property tax, but that, but that amount would be used in some way to help you with yes. other education. Yes. Okay. 
Of course. Right? You I mean, might, am I yeah. right about that? Yes. I, I, make, I don't know if I'm making yes, that Yes, but you also, but let's not talk about it. It's just a financial benefit to their family. Mm-hmm. Because what if you did, you know, say, okay, this is going to allow me to move my child from the public school to this private school. And a private school says, great, come on in. Your kid can go to school here. Here's your $15,000 extra tuition bill. Now you've, now you're actually, you're only going to get eight out of the voucher. You're in the hole financially. So, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a cut and dry deal. And as I mentioned, parental choice, there is parental choice in education already. What you want to do is be able to get public education dollars to help make a single parental choice, which is private school or maybe some homeschool expenses. That's what the deal is. Now, First of all, you know, how, how fair is that? We know it's not fair to kids with disabilities, which is who I represent. We know yeah. that. We're, that's not in dispute. Yeah. There's no dispute about this. It yeah. is not fair to students with disabilities. Well, I, I agree with that. I, I, I didn't know that no, until you told me that. I, I, I think that's, that's why I'm loving this conversation. No, it's great because, I mean, I, you know, I looked at it as just another way to utilize the money that you're, you're paying in property taxes to get. An, right. an education where you feel like you've got better accountability. Okay. Let's just this, well, that general statement. But if they can't, if they can be denied, yeah, that's a, that's a wholly different picture. Right. And I didn't know that. Well, about- that's, that's the first, the first question I posed to you. Would you accept sending public education dollars to a public school that would deny a kid at the door who is otherwise qualified? He said, Oh, never, but you will send those dollars to a private school who would deny a kid. So is the reason that a, that a private school would deny uh, a kid with a disability because they would have to make um, changes uh, to physical changes to um, well, they accommodate? Might, yeah, they, they might, it, they might not. They might have to provide, say, speech therapy. They might have to do other things that is part of a, an appropriate education, you know, mm-hmm. free and appropriate educations. And, and some of them, the ones that testified before the Senate committee said, yeah, we just can't, you know, we can't deal with a wheelchair in our school. You know, of course they could. They should be able to do that. Hmm. So let's go back to if we want to fix public education, which we do. You know, how have we been doing on that? Not very good. Not very good. Not very good. Okay, so are we going to fix public education by diverting public education dollars away from it? Probably not. Maybe we should. Maybe we should think about it differently. And my last point Parental choice as being, you know, this is the gold standard is parental choice. And as I've mentioned to you, when you want to use parental choice to bolster your argument, it sounds good. But when it comes to, as the example I've mentioned earlier, your minor daughter is pregnant. And the state says, your parental choice of helping your minor daughter come to a decision on what to do with that pregnancy, we're not going to let you do it. We're terminating your parental choice in that case. If your child is transgender and you want to seek standard of care, med- standard of care, medical treatment, okay, for your transgender youth, which is a, a damn hard thing in adolescence. You can, it's an incredibly difficult adolescent experience. Of adolescence is already terrible. Yeah, it is. And so imagine this. So you want to help your, oh, sorry. We're going to terminate your parental choice. And not only that, we're going to investigate you for child abuse and look at removing that child. So they're talking about parental choice, but they're not consistent. If parental choice is your gold standard, then that means you've got to apply it equally and universally. But they're not doing that. 
Well, I would I would say the one thing that is consistent is that the um, politics is not consistent. Touche, <laughs> <laughs> touche. So, I mean, so it, it, it is. I hate to hate to be uh, you know cynical, but you know that is definitely uh, part of the game. So it, it, it's, it, it's, it is it is part of the game, and it, it'll be interesting to see. I think you saw that the governor came out and said, "Well, if I can't pass school choice, I will go out and and try to take out every single." legislator that voted against it. Well, you know, I think now that we've, we've gone through the, you know, the Paxton trial and I could go all day on, on some things about the, about the quote trial. I even tweeted out the other day that it's not, was never really a trial and it has nothing to do with guilt or innocence. It's just, you know, people thought of it as a trial. It's not, I mean, you didn't have a real, you know, the jury wasn't, they didn't go through voir dire you know, the, no. the judge was the lieutenant governor. You know, it's it's you know, it is what was set out in the Constitution, but it's not a trial. You know, rules of evidence don't really apply. I don't know why you object, because what do you what are you objecting for? You can't appeal. And mm-hmm. so um, so but now that that's all happened and you've got now people on the record for how they voted now I think it makes the school choice issue pretty volatile, and I think it's going to be real difficult for a lot of members to to not uh, you know to to not hopefully you know all right not I guess, I shouldn't say hopefully but to not go with what the governor wants to do on school choice, and so it's going to be an interesting fight because I think they're the they're already going to be hurting with regard to their re-election a lot of these people mm-hmm. a lot of these members um you know I'm, I'm sure they voted their conscience i don't think it, mm-hmm. you know but th- you know it is it is politics in texas and it's rough and tumble right now particularly in the republican party it's rough and tumble so uh yeah school choice is only going to make that worse i would only ask one thing as a debate this and that's that they don't try to essentially hijack improving public education by making it attached to school choice and vouchers, which we saw toward the end of the regular session. Mm. Like if you actually wanted to pay teachers a better way so we could retain the best teachers and recruit yeah. better ones, only the only you can only pass that if you passed a voucher. See that that is that is Texas politics. Yeah. And that's not it's not the most admirable side of Texas politics. So the one thing I would ask is don't make improvement of public education contingent on actually vouchers and taking future funding away from it. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. It, it seems incredibly insincere. It makes it seem like, what are your real motives for doing this? And that's a fair question to ask, Frank. Sure. What are the real motives? Sure. I, I'm going to end it on that because I think it's a. I think that was that's a great way to end this really fun conversation, Dennis. <laughs> it's been a blast. Uh, yeah, you need to come back more often. <laughs> oh, I, I will, man. Yeah, we'll 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 come. We'll do this again. So anyway, thanks so much, um, Coalition of Texas with Disabilities, one of the best organizations I've ever worked with, and I mean that. And and I've been on, I was on your board for. 10 plus years yeah. Yeah. and um, I'll continue to work with you guys for no pay. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I, I, you guys have done uh, incredible work. 
with with uh, the resources that you have. So um, really, kudos to you guys for everything you you get done because you you go in there every year and uh, every well every other year, and um, you know just hit the battering ram you know, just like you always do. And um, little by little, you're making this incredible progress for uh, disabled Texans. Yeah, thank you so much, and the opportunity to get more public attention. I, I understand who your audience is, but that doesn't mean they know about all the things we, I agree. Yeah. we do and uh, and the breadth of issues we get involved in. Um, but when you think about it, the disability community really, well, obviously it's in every House district and Senate district, but it's in virtually almost every committee in either chamber is going to address some bill that's going to impact people with disabilities. That's right. And, uh, you know, I will tell you it's hard. It is hard work. Uh, but when we win and we impact the lives of maybe hundreds of thousands of people who are in need, who have unmet needs in this world, it feels pretty good. It's all worth it. It is. Well, thanks it's again. It's nice to have good ben, partners, too. You bet, man. And that's that's why we have this this podcast, is to is to expose people to, you know, organizations like yours and what they do. And mm-hmm. um, so I uh, appreciate you being here with us and, and uh, look forward to our next next round. You got it. Hi, thanks, Dennis. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Statehouse. You can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcast today. If you like our program and you want to see more, please subscribe, like it, share it with others. If you've got a comment, leave us a comment. Anything that makes us better, we appreciate. And we really appreciate, if you like it, to give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.